Happy Monday and welcome to another sneak preview. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Kilo Bouger. And this is our last episode of 2021. To close out the year, we're discussing four major releases. The King's Man, Don't Look Up, Reno 911, The Hunt for QAnon, and The Matrix Resurrections. And we've got some mixed feelings towards some of these films. It's sure to be a vibrant discussion to close out 2021. But first, let's take a look at what happened last week in film. Last week in film. We've got four trailers to discuss. First up, the second trailer for Uncharted, starring Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. comes out February 18th. Uh, We talked a bit about this a few weeks ago uh, with the first trailer. Uh, It's been in production hell for God knows how long. And uh, I really hope they pull this off. I love these games. I don't want them to fuck this up. (laughs) Yeah, same. Uh, this trailer gave me a little bit more hope. Um, I thought this was a much better done trailer. Um, it, you know, it included obviously the set pieces that they're going to pull from the games. The reason I got sold a little bit more was because of the very end of the trailer when they're pulling the ship out and having that, because that's not from the games. Like that hasn't been any of the four games. So that's me. I went, okay, cool. You're not just going to pull stuff from the games. We want to take obviously moments that the fans know that people going in who play the games recognize, but you're also going to do set pieces that are just meant for the film, but are retaining the spirit of the games. Because that's what I felt. I remember watching it and like that's the spirit of the game right there. Like that is something I could see them trying to do in a game. Um, so that that's what kind of sold me. And then when um, they finally showed us uh, Mark Robert with the fucking stash and everything i'm not saying i'm I'm still not convinced he's solely but at least they are going for the look at some point in the movie so it's like okay i'm a little bit more on board it's not doesn't look like you're just pulling shit in the hopes that it lands it's like no you're doing what you're to me kind of like sonic and other video game films of the past have been finally kind of getting right which is you're pulling things that we're trying the video game fans that we recognize like the whole playing sequence from three that we're going to see play on the film but also adding things for the movie that do keep the spirit of the game alive and alignment. So I'm a little more sold on this trailer. Yeah, me too. I like that they included, you know, uh, Drake's ring. I like the shout out to his brother, Sam. Uh, I am a little bit more hopeful. You know, the director, Ruben Fleischer, has got a great track record. Zombieland was great. Venom was great. So, you know, maybe we give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I like I said, I don't know what it was. I remember that first show, I was like, oh, I don't know about this one. And but this one, I was like, okay, I'm I'm on board a little bit more. I'm, I'll give this a chance. And considering like there's there's just a void being left right now because we're not getting the new Indiana Jones next year. And it just keeps getting delayed. And I mean it's pretty much gonna be the last one with Harry Sport anyway. Why not have a new action adventure step into the ring and give it a shot? Because I we're not really getting those like we used to anyway. That's true. Next up, the second trailer for the long-awaited Death on the Nile, Kenneth Branagh's second Hercule Poirot film that's been delayed multiple times, comes out February 11th, and I didn't realize just how fucking problematic this cast is. I mean, you've got Army Hammer, who they are actively trying to hide in the trailer, and then now Letitia Wright, who is making waves at Marvel for her anti-vax stance. So a lot of people in this that nobody really wants to see, which is kind of... Kind of sucks for Kenneth Branagh. 
I'm glad they're not just shelving it. Uh, you know, I love the Poirot stories. Uh, I thought Murder on the Orient Express was not great, but you know, watchable. Uh, and this this looks intriguing. I love the use of uh, Depeche Mode's policy of truth. Uh, the apart from you know certain problematic people, the cast does look insane. And um, hoping this works out. Yeah, I know the right. I know that's been kind of bringing up production issues again for the new Black Panther, which kind of pisses me off because it's like you you need to do this. You need to do this film. Like if there's ever a film you need to do, like it's this one to honor Chadwick Boseman. Like you know, but also that, like you're gonna sacrifice a potentially huge career for this. This is the hill you're gonna die on. Yeah, and I'm sorry. What I, I'm just getting annoyed with these the anti-vaxxers and their reasons, their crazy conspiracy reasons. Like, look, if you have legit reasons, on we like that's fine. Like, there's like medical issues. We are. I know there's a lot of them worried about like they want to wait to see the you know what has to do with what we'll do with them being pregnant. I I totally get that kind of stuff. That's understandable. That doesn't bother me. It's just the it's the dumb shit. South Park's been making fun of it on the recent COVID specials like the dumb shit about the tracking you know the government tracking you and it's depopulation control and like that kind of shit i'm just like shut the fuck up like how do you still believe that going in on what now what feels like i think it's gonna be like the third year of this pandemic like jesus christ um yeah with the with the movies i've been watching lately uh one of which i'm going to talk about today uh the government wanted us all dead we'd be dead like there's no reason for it they can track us already with your fucking phone, with your fucking credit card. So just shut the fuck up about that yeah. shit. If they want us dead, why are they making new fucking video game consoles that they're trying to get out to people? I always ask that because one of the ones that somehow Bill Gates got involved in that whole theory. I don't know how the fuck they pulled him into it, but they're like, he's the reason, you know, the theory is that he wants to depopulate. I'm like, it's only the guy that's living off the fucking Microsoft man and like Xboxes. That came out on new Xbox. You're telling me he was a depopulate? Okay, sure. Um, My favorite wackadoodle one is the uh, Tom Hanks is eating babies camp. Ah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All these celebrities are sucking the uh, adrenochrome out of little babies to stay young forever because that's a thing. Yeah, I, dude, I have, I, don't, I want new swoops, but I have family members that believe that. I don't know. Like, <coughs> we're going about like, oh, how can they do these movies with Tom Hanks and him near children? I'm like, because he doesn't suck their blood, you fucking idiots. Um, I've got one family member who believes that lizard people are controlling the world's governments. And I've got another family member who I'm fairly certain is a flat earther. He won't admit it, but everything he's been telling me is in their fucking camp. So, and they're, and they're close family. So I'm trying to de- like debug these idiots right now. Yeah. And it's not working. <laughs> No, what I'm learning with my particular family and everything they've told me, which when I did my research, I actually links back to QAnon. And I know we'll be kind of talking about that with Reno. Um, but I've learned, I'm not going to try to debunk it. You guys figure out how wrong you are down the line. And then you can come talk to me and apologize when all this dumb shit that came out of your fucking mouth and I had to listen to it. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, conspiracy theorists became a cult. I don't know when it happened, but it happened. I think mostly because we were ignoring them and just saying like, oh, look at his little stupid belief. But now it's it's gotten out of control and yeah. it's starting to hurt people. And uh, 
yeah, we got to like we got to start treating this like it like what it is, which is cold like behavior. Yes. But now, anyway, death in the Nile looks great. Yes. Back to this now. Um, yeah, and then the, I'm surprised that they even put Army Hammer's name in the fucking trailer. Like when his name popped up, because they obviously hide him in the trailer. But when his name popped up, I'm like, why would you do that? Like the guy, and I'm like, okay, yep, Hollywood's a fickle bitch. Like apparently, well, being a cannibal just isn't enough. Well, here's the thing. Like, it's I think he is a substantial character. Like they can't just like cut him out or recast. It's not worth the money. So I think they're just going to have to bite the bullet on this. But also, like, I found out in uh, West Side Story, which came out a couple weeks ago, Ansel Elgort has a sexual assault allegation against him that people apparently have not forgotten about, and the movie's getting a lot of backlash because of that. So, like, it's it's weird. Like, these movies, these studios have to release these movies or they're going to lose so much money. And I'm wondering, like, are, are people just not investigating this shit anymore? Like, there's allegations and then there's like firing, but that's where it seems to end. Like, where's the investigation? Where's the proof? Where's the exoneration if necessary? Where's the, you know, condemnation? Well, like, if, if give us give us some closure. Really, they don't give a shit. Like I said, I think I mentioned it on last week also, like Marilyn Manson, his reasoning for losing two of his Grammy nominations had nothing to do with the ongoing allegations and case, actually. I think he's like going to court here soon. But yeah. nothing to do with that. It just had to do with the fact that he wasn't actually a credited writer on the songs. I'm like, really? Like that's that's why I'm like, okay. Um, but as for the movie itself, Death on All, I have never been an Agatha Christie fan. I used my mom loved him growing up, and I fucking hated watching that shit on I think it was PBS or BBC that would show like the old show. And I I despised it. It was so fucking boring to me. And she watched it religiously and i remember i went to go see the murder on Orient express because i thought like yeah i'll give it a shot and i was bored to tears the whole time so i just i don't care i i'm not i'm not the audience for agatha christie's perot character well that is a shame but not a surprise in the least um well i've always had a thing for her stories i i read and then there were none in um eighth grade and thought this is really good uh you might like that one a bunch of people are on an island brought there by mysterious circumstances they all by while talking realize they're all responsible for the death of somebody and that's why they've been brought here and some shadow figure is killing them off in ironic ways and they have to figure out who among them is causing this i really cool gory horror film i can watch like that mm, the original uh the original title of the book was 10 little n-words so uh book's got a dark past i think that's not incredibly racist in any way oh yeah i when i found that out i was like what anyway uh poirot uh it's 1974's murder on the orient express is a classic albert finney sean connery anthony perkins ingrid bergman lauren bacall that's a fucking great movie I'm glad anyway. it's a classic. I have zero interest in ever watching it, though. I know. I'm gonna see Death in the Nile, and I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna. I hope I like it. Kenneth Branagh is a his track record is weird. He's got some great movies, but then he's got some <coughs> fucking terrible movies. He's the guy who did that Artemis Fowl movie that I didn't even watch because after I found out how much he fucking destroyed the book, I was like, I don't even want to bother with this. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm. I like I his know. first Thor movie, but like he got quickly outshined by Taika Ratiti. <laughs> so, true, but he's still better than Alan Taylor. This is true. He really, oh man, talk about a guy that talked about like trying to sound like he was gonna have a comeback. He's like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to meeting in New York. Like, this is the film. I think it's like the way it sounds like he's gonna get the film he wanted and finally get hit the boost he wanted. And America went, nope. <laughs> Because your movie sucks, buddy. Stick to television. I, I want to know who keeps handing him the reins to big franchises. Well, didn't he direct a bunch of episodes of like The Sopranos when they came out? Wasn't Some Sopranos. Uh, Sopranos and Game of Thrones. He directed a lot for HBO. So they gave him Thor 2 and they gave him Terminator 5. And yeah, he's, about uh, go back. he's about to get just TV projects again. Um, next, the trailer for Robert Eggers' new Viking epic, The Northman, starring Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Anya Taylor-Joy, Ethan Hawke, Bjork, and Willem Dafoe. Comes out April 22nd, and this looks crazy. <laughs> uh, adventurous. Fucking awesome. I cannot wait for this movie. Barely epic. There's not a lot of Viking movies out there, surprisingly. No, uh, we're on a real... There's not a lot, but we're on a real strong Viking kick, though, between, like, the, you know, Assassin's Creed Valhalla earlier this year and then the God, new God of War coming out. And now this, like, we don't have a lot, but there's this weird weird kick happening right now with a lot of Viking yep. Norse stuff coming out. I think you can blame that History Channel series Vikings, which was pretty pretty big. I heard a lot of good things about that. I know Netflix is doing, like, a spinoff series. Yeah. I just have zero respect for the History Channel. I mean, they used to be historical now they poisoned everybody with their ancient aliens or shit anyway uh yeah the, uh, the witch was great the, the lighthouse was great robert eggers is killing it and i think this is going to be exciting yeah yeah i and the fact that it's comprised of a lot of his regular shit i mean he's bringing on into the toy back william defoe back like he's bringing people he's worked with before back along with newer new people like scrawl scott Ethan Hawke, who looks like he won't be in it too long since he seems to be the driving force for the story. But still, nonetheless, great to see him. And it, I just, yeah, I can't, I can't fucking wait. Like, I feel like they didn't have to work hard to make Skarsgård look like a Viking. Like, that motherfucker is huge already. Well, the Skarsgårds are, you know, Scandinavian. Like, they are fucking Vikings pretty much. <laughs> So he's got, you know, that Eric the Red blood. So I'm sure he's going to be perfectly cast there. Yeah. And the quick previews of the fight scenes we got look like they're going to be fucking brutal. Like when he hits that dude off the horse, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. I'm, well, I'm, I'm, imag I'm imagining Eggers is going to combine his, you know, fantastic atmosphere skills from the witch and the, and the, and the lighthouse with the psychological aspects and the gore of the witch. I think this is going to be just his, his greatest hits, you know, shoved into a fucking Viking epic. Yeah. And it, it feels like it's going to also be probably his most accessible film since the witch. Cause Lighthouse, <coughs> Lighthouse I love Lighthouse, but it's definitely like not for everyone. That's true. Granted, it is the movie I always tell people when it comes in regards to the Batman and people's like, Oh, Robert Paz and you have to try to like watch the lighthouse. Yeah, like, you haven't Mark. seen Robert Pattinson act until you've seen him jerk off to another <laughs> statue. So, yeah, watch it. Yeah, 
watch him jerk off to uh, a mermaid statue and um, yell about farts, and you will be convinced. Declare um, that if he had a stake, he would fuck it. That's a line in the movie. <laughs> I know it sounds like you make fun of it, but he is actually really, really, he's lights out in that movie. Yeah, um, great movie. But yeah, I've, this might possibly be Edgar's most accessible film by so maintaining like what he's known for, like a lot of his style, a lot of what his trademark um, stuff. I just, yeah, I, I'm really, really, really excited for this movie. Yeah, me too. I've been hearing about this for some time now, and now we're finally getting footage and concrete release date. Going to be sweet. Uh, we'll definitely be talking about that film next year. Finally, the teaser for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which was attached to the end credits of Spider-Man No Way Home and has now been released as the official teaser, uh, comes out May 6th, directed by Sam Raimi. We're seeing uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Benedict Wong, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Rachel McAdams, and Elizabeth Olsen all return in their MCU roles. Uh, as far as newcomers, uh, I don't think we are supposed to know that yet. <laughs> so uh, one thing is for sure, uh, we are seeing the return of Doctor Strange Supreme from the What If series, and that is fucking insane, the implications of that. You know, there was some... I was a little confused over exactly how canon what if was going to be. Now we know. Apparently super canon. Like, yeah. Probably the most canon show they've done. They're very canon, which makes me think like, are we going to see the watcher like super Ultron? When's he popping in? Like there's a lot of potential here. Um, and it's the multi, it's a multi, another multiverse movie as done by Sam Raimi. Who's superhero street cred speaks for itself. Uh, this is going to, this is going to be rock. Uh, this is going to rock. Sorry. I'm excited. Oh, yeah, no, I, everything about this trailer. I was already in for this movie, and this trailer just has me more in for the movie. I, I can't wait. I, I've i been wanting a Dark Strange sequel since the first one came out because I actually really like that first movie. Dark Strange um, rocks. Yeah, the first movie's great. And like, I'm glad we're finally getting a sequel. Glad to see it's Sam Raimi returning to the to superhero films, especially um, an MCU film that's supposed to be a little more horror tinged. Um, teaming him up with Elizabeth Olsen, who, for those who've seen WandaVision, she's become Scarlet Witch. Finally, like, I know technically she was since we've seen her, but, like, it makes sense when you watch So She is now officially, like, she's become Scarlet Witch, as we know her from the comics, yes. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, so it looks good. Um, I'm very curious on what cameos are hiding from us. I know I had a discussion with someone that thought they saw her, Agatha Harkness in the background on and that she's in it, and I'm like, she's probably not in the movie because they still are trying to develop her show. I've heard some rumors, you know, leaks and whatnot. I mean, take the leaks with a grain of salt. But one I read was that this movie is going to introduce Professor X in a, like a multiverse. You know, this is how the X-Men are popping in, multiversal, and whoever wants in from the Fox movies is coming in, maybe, I guess. I mean, I'd be down for McAvoy returning to the role. I'd be down for that. Know who we're not getting? Hugh Trackman, because he's been adamant that he's done since Logan. But we can dream. I know. It just makes me sad. Well, I'm hearing other names tossed around, like, you know, Carl Urban would kick fucking ass as Wolverine. After seeing him on The Boys, like, I've always liked, I've always been a Carl Urban fan. Like, I've always liked the guy since seeing, um, like, Doom and Chronicles of Reddick and all that stuff. Like, I've always been a fan. But 
between Tread, which should have been on a sequel, and the boys. Oh yeah, I can see him. Especially the boys. He has that attitude in that show that he he I think he could play a great Wolverine. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, and you know, Wolverine is one of the most recognizable comic book characters of all time. It's only a matter of time before he pops into the MCU, whether it's Hugh Jackman or not. Yeah, and I, I know they're probably like I'm sure they're actively looking for someone as we speak, and that they're you know they got it made. They're and I'm sure whoever they pick will be great. It's just it's tough that that's kind of one of those that it's like it's kind of to me like Deadpool. I can't see anyone else playing that character. Like Hugh Jackman was just so perfect in the role and played him for so long. That's it's hard. Yeah, yeah. Seventeen years he was Wolverine. Unreal. Yeah, and gave to me the best performance in Logan. Like, goddamn, did he go out on a fucking strong note with that performance in that one? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway, Doctor Strange two, May sixth, uh, definitely builds on the multiversal chaos of Spider Man No Way Home and Wandavision. So, this is Doctor Strange having to clean up uh, some pretty big fucking messes. <laughs> well, also his own mess in the form of Doctor Strange Supreme. Yes, when and then. From the looks of it, again, we don't know the plans beyond this movie. The multiverse stuff calms down for a bit, supposedly. Because I know their next couple of films don't sound like they're dealing with multiverse stuff, but I mean, I think was it Kang's supposed to be the villain in one of the movies? Yeah, I want to say Ant-Man, right? I think it's Ant-Man who pops up. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see it, but it sounds like this is going to be the next big multiverse film, and then we're getting kind of like a break. But again, we don't know too much of the details about the films past Doctor Strange 2. So, yes. Oh, the MCU. Just keep doing what you're doing. You're blowing everyone's minds continuously. You're the, you're the best. Blowing up the box office, too. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that. Uh, before, before that, some unfortunate and somewhat surprising news. Uh, Lionsgate has delayed the release of John Wick Chapter 4 by almost an entire year. It was supposed to come out May 2022 and is now coming out in March 2023. No reason was given for the delay. Uh, it's probably not COVID, considering Spider-Man's recent money. Uh, so I don't know. It's got to be production-related. Yeah, I, I really wish they just give us a reason, because this has been one of my most anticipated films for next year. Yeah. All three films kick ass to me. The fact that, like, Keanu Reeves is now, like, I didn't realize that he's, like, approaching his 60s. Jesus. He looks he's, great. like... Yeah, he's able to pull off these moves, and yeah, he's aging incredible. I guess I guess Carver can be good to some people. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. When you're as nice of a guy as he is, when you don't have hate in your heart that doesn't, sh- you know, shrivel you. <laughs> yeah, um, I just I don't know why a whole year was needed. Um, it just makes me sex. I just I just want this fucking movie. This has been. I was thinking, okay, we're getting to January time frame. We'll probably start getting, we'll get a trailer here soon. So I noticed that trailers have been kind of getting back into the old rhythm of like months in advance trailers and stuff. Like, boom, trailer. The movie comes out in two weeks. Now that we're kind of getting past like the COVID delayed movies. Um, but then, nope. What I got was, no, we're moving it. And I was like, oh. Yeah, frustrating. But, you know, we'll get it eventually. Uh, it now. I don't want it eventually. Remember back before the world uh, shot itself in the foot and the Matrix 4 and John Wick 4 were supposed to come out on the same day? Yes. Granted, um, 
Yeah, granted, if we'll talk about it, I think John Wick would have fucking wiped the floor on the Matrix that weekend. Well, it seems uh, like life itself is wiping the floor with the Matrix right now. Yes. Unless, of course, John Wick 4 sucks, but I kind of doubt that. Um, they could re-release John Wick 1 right now, and it would beat the Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's shift to some pretty cool DC casting news. Uh, they're still doing stuff too. I, you know, I just picture like Marvel's, you know, freaking out. Everyone's cheering for Spider-Man and DC's over here, just quietly building their own thing. Like I'm gonna fucking show them. <laughs> I feel like know. DC. You know, you know what it is? I feel like DC is just sitting going, "Shit, man, we still got the Flash movie we're going to do the same thing." <laughs> we were gonna. They're like, you know, we we had a multiverse movie. Like we we were gonna do it, and everyone's like, Marvel's such a genius. That multiverse, so brilliant. No one else thought of that. And DC's like, but we we had it on the docket for years. Like we we announced stuff years ago. Marvel, all the way. Like that's that's what it is. DC needs to step up. They need to step up their uh their marketing game. Their yes, their announcement also, game. Also, I'll say this: I like Tom Holland as Spider Man, so I already had like a lot of like interest going into this film regardless of multiverse so that was icing on the cake i can't stand fucking ezra miller as the flash i've made that quite known i don't get why he's such a fucking loved actor the guy sucks i don't like a goddamn thing he's in and he's usually one of the worst fucking parts for me so i say cut him out give it to andrew garfield use him great flash he would have been such a great Barry Allen. Use some multiversal bullshit. And now that he's got such a big, you know, boost right now, your Flash movie goes up major points. Yeah. After months of me, like, guys, I'm not in it. Stop it. <laughs> and then he steals the show from everyone. Um, really did. He was so good. There are some things I forgot were so funny that when I saw it the second time, like when Ned's like, I promise I won't turn into a supervillain and kill, it, kill you. I got how funny it was when Andrew Garfield pats him on the back. It's like, good job, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I heard like a cool idea about how they can uh, put, like still do the Green Goblin, like MCU style and have like Norman Osborn show up as like one of Peter's like college professors. And Peter's like, I remember that name and like tries to help him down a better path and accidentally ends up like turning him into the Green Goblin or something like that. Cool, yeah. Like it's fate. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Um, got two words have... for you. Brian Cranston. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's my big thing. I think for, it seems like honestly for a lot of people with like uh, the flash movie, it's just like, there's not really that much fanfare around Ezra Miller as the flash fandom. Certainly not fucking hope with his shitty introduction. <laughs> Like Ezra Miller has somehow captured the hearts of every preteen girl who's never heard of the Jonas Brothers, but that's about it. Uh, and I, yeah, I don't understand his appeal. I think he's one of the worst parts of the Fantastic Beast movies. I think his flash is severely underwhelming. I think Grant Gustin, with all his crying, is still better. Because <laughs> look, because that's just CW being CW. When they want him to be like hopeful and like actually flash, Grant Gustin delivers. Every I don't remember time. the last time I saw that part of the flash. God, you're such a negative Nancy. You're clearly not caught up on the show. I, I know I gave up on that a long time ago because I got tired of 
I can't beat him. I'm not fast enough. Go have a talk about it in the hallway. We are the flash. I think I got it. Rinse and repeat. No, they, they moved off that a little bit, but I you know, doubt you it. I highly you doubt don't it. like to finish things. It's fine. You're, you're a quitter. It's okay. Um, I gave a, I've got too much to deal with. I couldn't handle any more melodrama. I feel like you don't have that much. So if we're moving on, I made it through eight seasons of arrow and I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's the same thing. Just he's got speed powers. Like there is a template. They all follow. All right. Look, just because you're a quitter doesn't mean you justify it. Now moving on. I think we can all agree though, with the flash as, it's, and that's the thing, though, right? The main star is not the char. It's Michael Keen coming back as Batman. I would even know you've been Affleck coming back as Batman. It's more of a char for people than your main character. So I, I feel like that's the difference, right? Like, people went into this Spider-Man film liking Tom Holland, liking our main fucking character superhero. Can't say the same for this Flash movie. Well, let me... Well, here's... here's Speaking of that, here's the news I've yet to actually reveal. Uh, <laughs> Well, sorry, we got to the tangent. <laughs> Michael Keaton has joined the cast of DC and HBO's upcoming Batgirl movie, reprising his role as Bruce Wayne. So it looks like Michael Keaton is going to be our Batman going forward. Apparently, he's all in, which is awesome. Just fucking amazing news. <laughs> he's always been my favorite Batman, and now people are finally accepting that, which is just. I think, no, I think people have always accepted that. I think we well, I mean, like people in charge, like studio people are like, oh, oh they okay. get like, I'm, audiences have pretty much come to conclusions that he's the best one. Yeah. Well, he's I think he's the only guy who captured both sides of it. He got he was a great Bruce Wayne and he was a great Batman. Like everyone else was either either or Christian Bale, great Bruce Wayne. I did not really think he was a great Batman. Well, yeah, because you can understand how he came out of his screaming mouth. Affleck didn't really get a chance to know him. Yeah, uh, I, 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 yeah, I'm curious to see what they do with them in this movie. Yeah, Kilmer and Clooney, great Bruce Wayne's, fucking horrible Batman. Oh yeah, yeah, we talked about that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then Pattinson looks like he's gonna. I feel like he's gonna be a great Batman. I feel like his Bruce Wayne might be a little lacking, just from the trailer. Well, I'm I'm reserving judgment. I want to wait till the movie because so again, am I. These are just my spec like trailer right. speculations. I think my thing is like I'm very much trying to be all in on passing because so many people are against them because they just look at fucking Twilight. And I'm like, nope. I'm I'm going. You know what? I'm I'm doubling down. I'm going to do what I do best, other than you know live a life of denial. I'm going to double down and go all in on passing. And hopefully this doesn't backfire like it did with um Jared Leto and Suicide Squad. So. <laughs> But I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm giving this man every ounce. I'm going to be the, the guy with the sign being like, you got this, Madison. I believe in you. <laughs> well, I will. Yeah, I'm supportive. But, you know, actually, I don't actually have any uh, reservations about the Batman. I am nothing but excited. <laughs> like every time I see the trailer, I'm like, this is going to be the best Batman movie we've ever fucking had. Oh, yeah, it looks it looks awesome. <laughs> uh-huh. But Keaton's going to be in Batgirl, which means Batgirl is going to be DC EU canon, if they're even still calling it well, that. No. So all that stuff's going to be canon. Like stuff coming on HBO Max, it's still canon. It's just like their plan with the HBO Max movies, like Batgirl, is that if it's something something they can take more risk with without losing money, because they're like, well, we could do it, but if one box office and it flops, where are we at with that? So there's a chance for them to take riskier approaches with certain superheroes and put it on HBO Max without that. Without as much of a loss, 
on their end. That's a little disrespectful to Batgirl, but I get it. Uh, the last time we got a live action Batgirl, I kind of get it. it but there, there's no way that that movie is still influencing decisions. It's, it, that's ridiculous. Batgirl mm-hmm. since then has been become such an icon in the comic book. Barbara Gordon is such a like everybody fucking loves Batgirl. So I think they got to take that into account that, you know, the character is beloved now. Yeah, and actually try. You also just said it with how people are losing their minds on multiverse with Spider-Man, but everyone's forgetting about the Flash. There's still a stigma with DC live-action films. Now, I know I personally, I've been on board a lot more since that first Aquaman film. I think they've been a lot more consistent with their quality, but there's still a lot of people that don't give a shit. They just look at that first couple of films, the Zack Snyder area, minus, you know, the first Wonder Woman. And just base it off that out and keep saying they're just trying to catch up. When to me, they've stopped trying to catch up since Aquaman. They've just been kind of doing their thing and saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. And we'll just stick with this. So. All right. Maybe I'm just a little bit more excited because I love these characters and I want to see them done right. Uh, And I'm, you know, if Snyder's not involved, I'm entirely willing to give these a chance. Yeah. And like I said, it's, that's kind of like the beauty of the, <coughs> of the streaming networks that right there, it says it's a risky chance. I don't, I don't see that as disrespect. I see it as them being willing to take characters that they're not sure will have that box office appeal, but they still want to do a faithful and good movie out of, and at least put it on something for people to watch. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, and but, if they have enough faith, it could move out. I know, uh, I think it was blue beetle or stack shark or something was supposed to be HBO Max, but has recently got up to a theatrical release for 2023. Oh, well, good. Also, there's so many films DC announces that never fucking happen. So it's good to see Batgirl actually getting some traction. Um, yeah. And Michael Keaton is going to be Batman again that, after being Batman again. <laughs> yeah, and this is the one with uh, Brendan Fraser as the as Firefly, right? Yep. Yeah, so like I am all in on this movie. Yeah, me too. More uh, casting news. Michael Shannon is reprising his role as General Zod in DC's upcoming Flash movie. Uh, He previously played Zod in 2013's Man of Steel and briefly his corpse in 2016's Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Uh, He is one of the few parts of Man of Steel I really liked. So I'm excited to see him. I hope to Christ I finally get to hear him say Neil before Zod. Uh, But no, he won't say it. He'll yell it. Like yes. he did throughout most of Man is Still. Scream it. Scream it in Ezra Miller's face. <laughs> Even though they've never met. <laughs> but I'm wondering, what does this mean for the film? Like, how badly is Barry going to crack the, the, the multiverse that fucking Zod is back? Yeah. I, it is interesting. And like I said, I know we kind of talked about it earlier, but so far it's another case of, like, I'm really liking everyone else who isn't Ezra Miller in this movie. Because I got real excited to hear that Michael Shannon's coming back. So, I mean, I love Michael Shannon, so. Yeah. The actress who played Feora is also coming back, but I couldn't pronounce her name, and I, I apologize for that. Still better than Ezra Miller, so I'll take it. I'm I wondering, can't... like, with Zod back, is, you know, would Henry Cavill, who's been very vocal about wanting to continue to play Superman, would he make a cameo? Maybe. And you know what? With all the attention on The Witcher, it's a good way to keep him, like, 
the attention away from that. You know what I mean? Like everyone's been so focused on Witcher season two is finally coming out. It's out, you know, like could have been a great way for them to like deflect anything in regards to flash movie. That's true. Uh, yeah, this could be cool. This could be cool. I, I, I keep thinking it's going to be a flashpoint movie. The more that they keep talking about it, I really hope that's true. I, I want to see reverse flash. I hope it's not just like evil Barry. Like I've been hearing about that better be a fucking lie. I swear to God, if it's Ezra Miller trying to be bad, a bad guy. Well, when you've got reverse flash or even zoom fucking Godspeed, one of these guys use them. Like, don't do this shit again. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I don't know. I just, like I said, Ezra Miller, I just, God, one day he might wow me, but until then. I doubt it. I mean, that video of him, you know, drunkenly assaulting a fan, that that wowed me. <laughs> yeah, there's that video. And like I said, his fandom thing, it's like, did you get high before you did, th- did this? Like, what the fuck, dude? You seem so disinterested in the movie that you're in and presenting. Is he trying to be quirky? Because if so, he's coming across as like cold. Yeah, I was like, if you're trying to be quirky, you're just coming off disinterested and an asshole. It's not working. Yeah. Well, finally, some awesome news to end this year with. Spider-Man No Way Home has quickly become the first major release in two years to cross a billion dollars worldwide. Uh, it accomplishes in only 12 days. The third uh, fastest this has ever happened. The second fastest was Avengers Infinity War in 11 days, and the first fastest was Avengers Endgame in fucking five days. <laughs> but Spider-Man did it, A, during a pandemic, and B, without China, which is unreal. So, the theaters are going to be fine. Yes, and Hopefully, studios stop trying to bend over backwards to do shit for China. As we can see, we don't need them for good box office. Nope. I do not feel comfortable with studios bending to the will of a fucking dictatorship. So take note from Spider-Man and just do whatever you want. Yeah, you don't. we don't need them, especially in regards to some very controversial things they're doing in their fucking country. Yeah. Um, when your leader is modeling himself after Mao Zedong, shit is bad. So, yeah, it's yeah. I, I feel so bad for the people in China. I, I look, yeah, I look, I get it. I know we trade with them a lot, but we don't need to trade movies. It's fine. We can keep our movie business, America. It's okay. Yeah. Spider-Man <laughs> proves we can make a billion without their help. I know there's other countries that help with that, that we did release the film, got released in. But the key is they're trying to not help, which shows that we don't need their fucking movie business. Um but no, this is awesome. I mean, it's, you know, it's depressing to hear it's like in two years, we finally had a film that made a billion, you know, as depressing as that is, it's also awesome. and kind of shows that, you know, I know I've been hearing murmurs, even with the Omicron variant being out about at some point next year, they're looking at calling it an endemic and finally kind of getting towards a more normal lifestyle again. So it's, it's good to see like with that those rumors this film do so well and people still want to go out there and, and yeah like you said for all people, like theaters are dying and the pandemic just really showed that this one made a billion dollars so no theaters are not dying and we you know i know we kind of talked about it a little bit on the spider-man episode but just like reiterate like and why i'm glad theaters won't die 
and why I get annoyed with people like Nolan and them in the comments they made because I don't go for the film. I don't always, I don't just go to theater to watch an auteur's piece of work. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, for every good, like, directorial flick or Nolan flick, I go see a theater. I'm also going there for the communal experience that I, that I got with Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. When I got, like, when I felt that, I was like, this movie's going to make serious money. Like, we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be talking about this one forever. It's that kind of film. And if anything was going to make a billion this year, it, it was going to be that movie. So, well done. Um, so that's all that happened last week in film. Um, let's start talking movies. Uh, we got four to talk about today. Uh, we were not we were unable to get to being the Ricardos. Uh, sorry, but I am going to try to watch that soon. Maybe say my piece on it next week. Uh, no promises. First up, I'm not watching it, so you're not going to hear anything from me. I know. Don't look up. Uh, Netflix's new disaster dramedy satire that is one of the most infuriating films I've ever seen, in a good way. Um, it was released briefly in theaters a few weeks ago. Uh, is a Netflix original, so it'll be there forever. Spe- uh, sports one of the most epic casts I've ever seen. Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, Jonah Hill, Ron Perlman, Tyler Perry. I mean, Timothy Chalamet, like the, the list is endless. It's it, unbelievable. It's Adam McKay, uh, director of uh, Step Brothers, The Other Guys, Vice, The Big Short. Kind of a, you know, comedic genius turned kind of political satirist almost. Uh, and this movie is about really COVID. It uses the, the, the comet as a metaphor for COVID and how we are handling it. Spoiler alert, not fucking well. Um, somehow, a, you know, an actual global pandemic became a political issue and never stopped. Uh, in this movie, two astronomers, Leo and Jennifer Lawrence, discover a comet is hurtling towards Earth and will hit it in six months. They tell the president and the president Shrugs them off because this has nothing to do with the upcoming midterms. And they go to the news to the news and the journalists like the it's like, the you know, the, like the uh, Good Morning America kind of vibe today show. And they're just playful and funny and don't take it seriously. And Jennifer Lawrence becomes a fucking meme when she says we're all going to die. <laughs> uh, then the White House verifies the information, finds out that. They can use this to deflect from some political scandal, and then they go full force into protecting the planet. It's so fucking anger-inducing, man. Like, the whole movie is just like, why are they doing this? And uh, it just gets worse. It just turns into this whole, like, they decide not to blow up the meteor because they can mine it for resources. And it's like Jennifer Lawrence and Leo are the whole time are like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? That We're going to die. And everyone's just like, some people don't even think there's a comet. Other people, you know, think it's a liberal conspiracy, all that shit. It's COVID, man. The whole movie is a metaphor for, for COVID. Adam McKay did a great job. I would probably not watch it again because it upset me big time. Just, ugh. But I did give it an eight. It's worth watching. Uh, it's a really good movie. It pissed off a lot of people because of its subject matter, which I understand. Uh, if you're one of these idiots the movie's making fun of, you're not going to like this. Uh, but I, yeah, t- check it out. I had, a, I had a buddy that works for some some website. I went to college with him. Uh, he hated this movie. And I, he was like, yeah, it's like an old 
old school politics, but I don't know. He, he went on a big long thing. He fucking hated it. So I've heard a lot of people shit on this film. So as much as I've heard people like this film. It's divisive. And it's that's that's the point. It's it's intentionally divisive. It's he's Adam McKay has never been subtle in his politics or what he thinks of how the world's being run right now. Just watch his last like three movies to, uh, to see that. And this is his film about the pandemic. Uh, it's got some great visual effects. The performances are awesome. Uh, and the ending is like, what the fuck? Uh, so I think it's a good watch. Okay. Yeah. Um, so with that, let's move on to Reno 911, The Hunt for QAnon. Good segue. Yeah, right. This one, I would say, so I, I saw this one um, this past week and it kind of popped up on Paramount Plus. It's not, it's not like Don't Look Up. It's much more that it's the Reno 911 humor. It's much more playful and fun with its humor. But uh, I end up really, me and Josh both really like this film. It's funny as shit. It's like these guys, this cast has been doing this since the beginning. It's, it's all the same original people and they're still just as good as they've ever they were in the beginning like i loved it um pan oswald pops up <laughs> as as uh one of the villains and he's fucking great uh lennon he's always been one of my favorite he plays a uh, dangle he's always been one of my favorite characters he's he's so fucking good in this movie um i, I if you're a real 91 fan fan i highly recommend you watch it um i, I will say like don't look up if you're on one of those that's very much on the QAnon train don't watch it you're just gonna get all pissy at the jokes they make constantly Ugh. at QAnon's expense um they at one point like Pat Oswald's getting chased it's just every every like red like like hard red stated person's comic con like he calls people libtards and stuff as he's getting chased it's just really but you know, it's again, it's being funny, right? It's really, really funny. So I, I like it. I definitely, I recommend. It. I'd give it an eight out of ten. Nice. I, uh, I haven't watched Reno Nine One One since I was a kid. Uh, I thought it was funny. I just never really watched more of it. Um, I have seen the the movie, the Miami movie. Uh, that was funny. I like when they try to move the whale off the beach, and he fucking pushes himself into the whale. <laughs> Oh, this movie starts where they're like they're playing a prank on Dangle, and he gets on the bike. They're like, "Oh shit, he on the bike. He wasn't supposed to get on the bike." And it starts taking him up in the sky because they attach all these balloons to it, <laughs> and they have to get him down. And they keep pulling out bigger and bigger guns to shoot the balloons. At one point, they hit Dangle, and at one point, he's like, "Hey, I still got my uh, my ice cream or whatever," and someone shoots it out of his hand. <laughs> Well, I will. Yeah, I, I, maybe I'll check this out. Uh, sounds funny. I fucking despise QAnon and anyone who believes in it. Uh, so it'll be fun to watch them get taken down a peg. Oh yeah, it's they have a they have a lot of fun with like a lot of those beliefs with QAnon. It's it's funny. Uh, if you want to know what <laughs> QAnon is, if you are a relatively normal person and have stayed away from that horseshit, uh, Google it. Hopefully, don't fall down that rabbit hole. But just no, it is outrageous, ridiculous, baseless, and just fucking stupid. So, 
yeah, if you believe in that, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. You're, you're broken. You're done. Like new information is just giving up on you. So, yeah. Oh God. Remember those idiots who showed up in Dallas cause JFK jr. Was going to announce that he's alive. Yes. yes. Those are the people we're talking about. Yep. And uh, let's look, if you want to see this, we get taken down a peg. Yeah. They, they have a lot of fun at their expense. And even um, I, I didn't, I forgot that Reno or Nevada legalized all the drugs known to man. Cause yeah. they are, they make fun of that at the very beginning. Like, you see them all like smoking weed and like they're having their their meeting in the morning and like one of them's like shooting up heroin as they're having the meeting. <laughs> That's great. That's funny. All right. Reno 911, the hunt for QAnon on Paramount Plus. Check it out. Next up, The King's Man, a film that I feel like I've been waiting a decade to watch. Because this film was delayed five times. Yes. A film that we're about to disagree on here. Yes. Uh, we both saw this one, a rare treat. And we are going to discuss it. Um, this was supposed to come out November in, in uh, November 2019 was the original release month for this. It got pushed endlessly. Uh, pre-pandemic, it got pushed for God knows why. And here we are finally watching this movie, which is going to make fuck all. Because Spider-Man is the only thing people are seeing. <laughs> uh, so that sucks because the movie ends with a potential teaser for a movie I would really like to see. This is the origin story of the Kingsman Agency, which first popped up in 2014's Kingsman, The Secret Service by Matthew Vaughn and followed up on in 2017, I want to say, or 2018, uh, Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Uh, I really like these movies. I think they're fun. I think they're adventurous. I think they're, they got a really cool story. I liked especially how this one weaved history into the main narrative. And I'm very interested to hear why you didn't like it. Well, first off, they excised most of the humor from the first two films and trying to be a much more serious film. That's true. And then they would have moments that they tried to be funny. So this is like they couldn't figure out their fucking tone, which That's was true. weird to me because the thing I like about the first two Kingsmen that I like a lot is the irreverent comedy and the over-the-top action scenes. That's been the hallmark of the series. So yes. they took away the one of the main things I fucking like, which made a very boring-ass movie. Between action scenes, I was bored to death. Because I'm like, this is too serious. I don't... Like, if you want to sit there and play fast and loose with, like, history like you're on this movie and tie it into Kingsman, you need to go just over the top, be ridiculous and have fun like you did with the last few films. Cause you're not, you're not doing a historically accurate movie. You're playing with fucking actual history for your universe. So go all in and be over top, be funny. They didn't do that. Other than the whole, that one standout scene with um, Rasputin and um, Ray Fiennes. I don't want to fuck up the actor's name. That's why I'm not saying his goddamn name. <laughs> Um, Reese Ifans or it's Reese Ifans, one of those. I'm going to keep saying Rasputin so I don't fuck this up. Fine. Um, but that scene was what the rest of the film should have been. Like that scene was when I was like, oh, okay, this is the Kingsman I know and enjoy. Um, and even the action that it's known for, I thought a lot of it was lacking compared to previous Kingsman film. Like again, that scene with Rasputin was a standout action scene to me. Besides that, I thought the action scenes were lackluster. And pretty like not fun to watch compared to the first two movies. Um, and then like the whole 
I had issues with this being like a prequel because it didn't really feel like a fucking prequel until the very end. And mm-hmm. like they started building it when they do their mission to go again, go get rest. See, okay, when the rest period, like that was like the peak of the fucking movie for me. And then I found like, oh. But when they went to go do that mission and get Rasputin, I was like, oh, okay, so now we're seeing the, the beginnings here. Okay, I got it. Here we go. And then they quickly dropped that so his son can go join the war. And, you know, fuck it, spoilers, his son gets killed, which to me didn't really feel true to the story. It just felt like a way to shock because they've done it before in the series with Colin Firth's character. You know, they brought him back in the sequel. And I was like, you could, and then they make the Kingsman and I'm like you could have done all of that without killing the son like you literally could have had it been him helping dad with the secret service stuff and realizing okay this is what I can do to serve my country all this world one shit was unnecessary um I did I, I did like the action scene when they were going through Nomad's land that was another standout action scene but besides those two I just thought the tone's all over the place. If they dropped the humor to be more serious, which was a dumb move on their part, in my opinion. And I just, I was bored throughout most of the movie. It, I remember thinking, this is a long fucking movie. I was feeling the runtime in a bad way. I, that is unfortunate. I disagree with everything you just said. I was not bored. I love the tonal differences. I like that this was more serious because this was the origin of the of the the agency. This was yeah, World War One. Like this was supposed to be dark. You can still have fun because the history. They're not being historically accurate, so you can still have fun. Well, they but did have fun. You had the, like, the Scottish would... bad guy being crazy the whole time. Like that was fun. Yeah, but he wasn't like yeah, I know he was just. It still felt too like they were going for a more menacing look, not fun. Like I'm sorry, the Kingsman films, the first two had a fun vibe that was the point was they were subverting the bond tropes. That was the whole fucking point. Have fun subvert the bond tropes. This just felt like a, a subpar bond film. Oof. I didn't feel that. I love the, the characters, the performances. I loved the I when he when his son was killed, I was genuinely shocked because it subverted expectations. Like they I was expecting Ray Fines to die and then his son kind of takes up the mantle in his father's name. I was expecting that. But with the death of the son we get a completely different movie, one that I was not expecting, which I liked. And I give me more Ray Fiennes whenever. He's one of my favorite actors. Uh, I loved the cabal of evil 1910s people. You know, the, the, the Blofeld-style board of directors that had, like, DuPont and fucking Lennon on it. But that was really cool. I liked how over-the-top the bad guys were. Because World War One was ridiculous and really hard to describe but i like that they weaved history i'm a huge history buff so when i heard things like you know gavrilo princip and the zimmerman telegram i was like i remember that stuff i got excited because of that stuff uh so this is just you know for me this was a fun watch this was an enjoyable watch and i i I rank it up there with the kingsman movies i i would i consider this a solid trilogy so far i like the first two this one sucked okay this Agreed. was such a humongous disappointment that should have had way more fun with its concepts that are trying to be so fucking serious. We got to see Rasputin tongue fuck Ray Fine's bullet wound for a little yeah. bit. That was the only scene that had fun. After that, they were back to being serious. That's unfortunate for you. Tom Hollander playing George V, Kaiser Wilhelm, and uh, Nicholas II. 
I thought was really cool, considering they were all three fairly identical cousins in real life. I thought he did a really good job playing all three of those characters. I stand by. I wanted a more fun film because I went in for a Kingsman film, not for a history lesson that wasn't even like historically accurate because it's a fucking Kingsman movie. Oh, buddy. I, I'm sorry. Because I, every, the, all the reasons you hated it, I loved it for. So that, yeah, we're, we're not going to find common ground on this one. No, because apparently you don't want fun Kingsman movies. You want serious Kingsman movies. I consider this movie a good balance of both. So I have no I issues with it. Both. Whatever. Eight for me. Five. Fuck, man. Wow. Ouch. Well, maybe Kingsman 3 will be what you want. Better be. I better get a fucking fun movie instead of some self-serious piece of shit like this. Yeah, man. Well, you're going to get your wish because this thing's going to get just going to tank at the box office. I looked it up. It's only made $16 million. Good. Show, show, show those, those filmmakers we want an actual Kingsman movie, not whatever this was. We're not going to get the Hitler movie, which... I am. I'm okay with that outcome. I'd rather get an actual Kingsman movie. I'm sorry. I enjoyed it. And I'm going to... You know what? I'm, I'm okay with that. I, 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 I'll defend this movie. You enjoy that island that you will live on alone. Well, my mom enjoyed it too, so I'm not alone. I, we like Kingsman. I like serious movies. I like fun movies. I like history lessons. I'm a history buff. I'm going to be a fucking history teacher in a few years. I like history, so I was excited to have that in this movie. I mean, I like history too. Doesn't mean I just automatically like the movie though. Well, that sucks for you, buddy. Uh, movie's a movie nonetheless. Eight. Five. Fine. Well, I know we're going to find common ground with the final movie of the night. <laughs> the Matrix Resurrections. One of the most unnecessary sequels I've ever seen in my life. Uh, apparently, Lily is the most creative Wachowski because she uh, stayed out of this one and Lana tried her best but clearly they're a, they're a, a two two person act. That's, that's being generous too, because like I'm gonna be for real with you. I haven't liked a single fucking movie they've done since the first Matrix. Fuck, Jesus! Kind of like, like how like remember when I was talking about how Edgar Wright hasn't done a single bad film for me. Minus the first Matrix, they haven't done a single good film for me. Okay, I on a on a recent watch realized I really like the Matrix sequels two and three are fun movies for me. There's moments in there that are just fucking lights out. And compared to this hunk of trash, they're masterpieces. They're, well, they're still bad. Not to me. I like them. All right. The Matrix Resurrections. Uh, co-written and directed by Lana Wachowski, uh, Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, and uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, as well as the Merovingian dude, all came back. Uh, Hugo Weaving said no smartly although i think this movie would have been leagues better had he joined up because the guy they got to play smith i like jonathan groff but fuck off yeah (laughs) there is one agent smith and it's hugo weaving if he says no you write out the character and you put a new one in there there's two actors that would have at least brought up half a point for me it was hugo weaving and Lawrence fishbone and both weren't in this movie 
what in the fuck was going on with Morpheus? Why do that? <laughs> like, and no, I, I remember seeing an interview where Lawrence Fisher was like, no, they never talked to me. Like, I, you know, I hope it's good. Like, way to burn a bridge, Lana. Yeah, it's like, why would you just not bring back Lawrence Fishburne? And you can't be like, well, he's he's older and out of shape. It's not like he was doing that much action in this fucking movie anyway. Morpheus was out of shape in all three of those movies. Yeah. <laughs> and he was still doing action. I think Lawrence Fishburne would have risen to the cause. So yeah, he's, he's going to be in the upcoming John Wick movie. Like, yeah, he's got time. I mean, Hugo had like some play he had to do, which is probably, I mean, he doesn't really like sequels anyway unless it's elrond but he are the first two matrix sequels well those made sense this this didn't make a lick of fucking sense like no. all right so we start out i'm just let's go through well first let's go back through the matrix uh because i'm curious as to your thoughts on the sequels the matrix 1999 solid flawless epic action classic can we agree on that Oh, absolutely. I love the first movie. I've, I can watch that film any day of the week. I love the first Matrix. Okay, good. The Matrix Reloaded, 2003. I don't know how uh, you like this, but let's go on. <laughs> okay. I have watched so much to back these movies up that I've explained it to me, and it makes sense. So that helps. Uh, I love the scene where Neo fights like a, a million Smiths. I think that's a really cool scene. Uh, the whole freeway chase. It gets a, a it gets a little destroyed by the dated CGI for that scene. I found a good explanation for that though. The Matrix is a computer program, and it's having trouble running all the fucking Smiths in that part. So that's why everything looks a little gooey. Is this a YouTube theory? Yeah. Then I don't give a shit. Cinema wins. I don't give a shit then. Okay. What What do you mean, like official? Like stamped approval from the Wachowskis. Yeah, I actually needed something from the filmmakers. I look, I love Cinema Sins. I watch them all the time, but I also know that both Sins and Wins. I don't know why you hate on Cinema Sins, but I don't both, hate on them. I just I don't need that kind of negativity constantly. I like a little little positivity once in a while. It's for comedy. So let's move on. Because that's what I was getting at. Both Cinema Sins and Wins, they do it for comedy purposes. Like they're just being funny. So it's like, no, that I doesn't can't mean really... it's not a cool explanation for why the CGI is a little fucked up there. But it's just a theory when realistically from the Rakowskis is they didn't have the budget to do that scene. But I can choose to believe that the Matrix is fucking up here and that makes me happy and enhances my enjoyment of the film. Well, you live in delusion. I'm going to live in what the filmmakers presented me and that is they did not have the budget for that scene. Good for you. Enjoy your realistic island. Have fun. I will. My God. Um, the freeway chase with the ghost things and the agents. And that that was cool. That action scene does hold up. That whole action scene I'll take. Thank you. The All right. Admittedly, all the Zion shit is a little hard to follow and not all that interesting. I will give you that. And the, also, yeah. my other big beef with this is that they go hard in the paint more, more than the first film on the philo- philosophical leanings. And trying to explain shit, and none of it makes sense. I have seen the film a couple of times, so I've seen it more than once, and I have yet to be able to figure out what the fuck they are trying to tell me in this movie. I've seen two and three about a dozen times, and I've I've figured out some stuff. I've I've I'm I've starting to fall like you know the whole like what is human thing, you know, the idea that the the reason the matrix is fucked is because the guy, the architect, can't figure out how to program free will 
I like that. That makes sense to me. The whole idea that Neo is the sixth version of the one and his whole point is to reboot everything. Okay, makes sense to me. Matrix Revolutions, when we have, you know, Super Smith, who's taken over the Matrix, when he turns Neo into one of him, he has then plugged Neo into the Matrix, which means the, ma- the robots can now use that power to reboot the whole fucking thing. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to me now, which is good. Enhances my viewing pleasure. Yeah, but it also took you how many variants to get to that? Because I think realistically is that the Rakowskis didn't know what the fuck they wanted to do with the story past the first film. They went, ah, shit, people want a sequel? Uh-oh. And they had to, like, hurry up and figure something out. You know, they and turned down they- Batman Begins to do the two Matrix sequels. Oh, Jesus Christ. And, yeah. and okay. I guarantee you, they didn't know what the fuck they were doing with the story, and they didn't know how to explain it, so they just, like, just through they were, like, at least for the I'll get into what I, you know, again, when we get to revolutions, I'll talk about that. But at least we were loaded. They were like, just fucking front load it, heavy load that shit on philosophy. No one's going to get it. You don't even get it. And we'll do some cool action scenes and people will be fine. And it's like, no, no, it's like I said, like the CGI scene, the Agent Smith scene, it's just, it's terrible to look at, especially if you take account that the first one was well known for its mixture of CGI, like in, practical like how they were able to more uh or sorry like combine the two for like a really like almost ageist look to that film um like i said they go way too hard in the philosophy point that's like so fucking hard to comprehend what the hell this movie is about and yeah i'll give you i will give you that actually on the freeway is actually like pretty solid that one holds up but that's about it well whatever i guess i just I see more value in these movies than you do, which is fine because I, you've shown me so many movies I haven't, you know, jumped on the bandwagon with. No, but you should. Instead, you're jumping on the Matrix sequels bandwagon. Yeah, I like them. I didn't like four, but two and three, I think, yeah, I think it's a solid trilogy. I watch all of them. I think they're good. Oh, I love seeing... Neo fights Smith in the rain in the third movie. I think that's a cool fight. The whole Sentinels attacking Zion with the big mech shoots with the big guns. I think that's really cool. It's I so okay. So Revolutions, the Zion battle is okay. I'm, I didn't really care for it. Um, I do. I'll give you credit on the, the the ultimate fight between Neo and Smith does hold up and is a good payoff. But the thing is, now with that, it went so hard in the pain of the philosophy in the second film. They dialed that shit down tremendously and dropped a lot of what they were talking about in Revolution. So I was like, wait, what, what? I thought we were talking about, but okay. So like a lot of stuff was dropped. The whole beginning where he's stuck in that fucking subway thing was weird. And the whole Jesus allegories were a little too much for me at the end. Cause I was like, when the fuck did we get to this? I was like, won't we go on like some weird philosophy? Thing, and now all of a sudden it's a Jesus allegory. I was like, when the fuck did this happen? If you've been paying attention, it's been happening the whole fucking movie. In the it first movie, not. Neo is... Not, they have been doing this on the fly, in my opinion. Neo was killed at the end of the first movie and then came back to fucking life. Like, right there, man. That's not Jesus allegory. He just got killed and came back to life. That is never. That doesn't happen. <laughs> it happens in plenty of movies. Not in this movie. No one else dies and comes back to life except in the second one when Neo fucking brings Trinity back. 
Yeah, so C2O did come back to life in these movies. He brought her back. He healed her. He He's the the whole fucking Christ metaphor makes sense. It's it only popped up at the end of this one. It was never in the first two movies. Jesus Christ. I I don't believe that they made it all up on the fly. There's too many uh, there's too many true tr- through lines and connectors that make sense to me. They had some shit planned out. Maybe not all of it, but some things. They most definitely had not on the fly. They're just really good at doing it on the fly. Not, I can't tell if you actually believe this or you're just trying to, to irritate me. I can't tell. <laughs> you sound a little defeated that second time you said it. See? <laughs> I don't know what you actually believe. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I, I like these movies. You're not going to change that. Okay. Well, you keep living a life of delusion. I will live in the real world. Well, the first one's great and the two sequels suck. All right. I'm, cl- I'm going to have more fun than you are. I had plenty of fun with the first one. I just keep going back to that one. It's great. Good for you. Well, nobody wants this fucking fourth movie. <laughs> no. No, no one was asking for this. Keanu Reeves, I believe, came back probably as a favor. I mean, Lily, Lily Rakowski said no to Lana for Christ's sakes. Like that should have told you something. Well, Larry's like, no, I'm good. It had something to do with their, I think their, their parents, one of their parents died. Both their parents died, I believe. Both both the parents died. And this was Lana's way of working through the grief. And Lily didn't want to go back to something they'd already done. Her way of working through it was moving forward. So I get that. But that doesn't make the movie a winner. I think the weird Morpheus program that's like supposed to be a young, more hip Morpheus. I don't really understand why that why they did that. Especially the origin. He started out as an agent and then becomes Morpheus like that. Doesn't make not, any goddamn sense. Not just any agent. He was Agent Smith. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I was like, what? And then that never comes up again. No. Oh, the fact that they can just watch the entire first movie. <laughs> like when she's just sitting there watching it play, I'm like, are we watching the first? There were so many points before Josh fell asleep, which I felt like was the smarter move, that I was turning him, turning to him and being like, are we just getting like, I was like, is this script just the first film? So I'm like, this is one of the worst. Someone on Facebook, I won't name him like this film and actually wrote on one of the things I liked about it was that they thought the script was well written and I was like what the fuck are you talking about well it relies so heavily on callbacks and talking and little lines being ripped from the first film that this is not this is barely a script this is literally like the first film and then they just kind of added more shit around it like no this is a shitty script it was one of the worst fucking scripts I, I feel like got passed through Hollywood. And so, so much of the film is literally footage from the first movie. Actually, yeah. from the first from all three movies. Like they recycle so much footage. It's yeah. embarrassing. And yeah, there's characters talking, saying lines, and they cut to the original fucking film. And I'm like, yeah, you cannot convince me this is a well-written film. This is a surely written film. Good God. Yeah. It's uh I don't know what the hell uh, they were thinking here. So in this new universe, um, Neo or Thomas Anderson 
is a big shot game developer who is the dude who built the matrix the most one of the most successful games ever and on paper this could be executed well but it isn't no and this is my thing right i know meta stuff saw the rage thanks to deadpool's huge success this is the thing though something like scream or deadpool's use of like going real meta they work because they're already in on the joke they're not, they're not meant to be taken seriously to begin with. They're funny films meant to be in on the joke. The Matrix is one of the most self-serious fucking films. Like every, the whole trilogy, extraordinarily serious. So to all of a sudden on your fourth film say, we're going to get meta and just like almost wink, wink, like, yeah, you're right. We shouldn't be doing this film, but we're doing it. It's like, no, fuck off. Like, I actually got to a point where I, I was like loudly just going like after every fucking meta joke I heard, especially the whole like, yeah, our friends at Warner Bros. I was like, oh my fucking God, if they go meta one more fucking time in this movie. They want to make a sequel to The Matrix. Uh, so Thomas Anderson is just kind of like going through the motions. He apparently tried to kill himself once because he believes that this world is not real. And uh, there's this girl, Tiffany at his local coffee shop that he's super into and he can't explain why. And that's Trinity who is also still alive. Uh, and she's got matrix kids and a matrix husband. Um, Neo, I'm sorry, Thomas keeps seeing his uh, matrix therapist played just irritatingly by Neil Patrick Harris. How <laughs> fucking miscast. Um, and basically he's just taking blue pills until Morpheus shows up once. And it's like, Hey man, time to fly and gives him the red pill. And he's like, no, and runs out into the chaos of his office getting shot up and his boss waking up as agent Smith, which was the, the thing about the movie. I hated the most was Jonathan Groff's performance. And it's not even his fault. It's just, why do that to that character? Yeah. It, oh God, he, you know, he was trying until he was trying, but, God damn. I just, I'm determined the Rowskis, the Rakowskis cannot write a fucking script to save their lives. Minus the first Matrix. Um, they wrote V for Vendetta. That was really good. Did they direct V for Vendetta? No, but they wrote it. You'd probably get help to get someone else directed it. Um, someone could vent out all their shitty lines of dialogue. Um, but like, yeah, no, he like he is given shit to work with, and it's just like, yeah, why, why do this to this character? Also, since we're kind of like you're bringing up like the office attack, is it me, or is this some of the worst fucking action I've seen in a goddamn film? Oh my god, dude, the action, the CGI looks weaker than it did in 1999, which I can't explain. The CGI, uh, the, none yeah. of the fights had any oomph to them. Like, oh. Yep. I found out why the fight choreographer for the first three films did not come back. The cinematographer did not come back. Everyone who built those movies did not come back. So this feels so disjointed. It doesn't feel like part of that franchise because of that. Oh, that explains it. Cause like I turned, I remember I turned Josh at one point. I was like, how is it? Kind of like how I was talking about Kingsman. How I felt like taking away the comedy was taking away a huge chunk of the film for me a film trilogy that's well known for two goddamn things. One, it's goddamn philosoph philosophizing constantly. And two, 
it's action. Like Matrix, especially that first one, more so than the sequels, has been known, well known for redefining action in American cinema because of how impressive those fucking action scenes were. So to be on a fourth film in your franchise that has redefined action in 99 and have some of the worst fucking action scenes known to goddamn man. And the thing is, we know Karen Reeves can still fucking do it. He's doing goddamn John Wick still. So it's yeah. not like he can't do it. He can still do it. It's just, yeah, these like the whole sub. I know we're going to get to it, but I, God, the fucking subway fight they want to recreate was so fucking awful to sit through. Um, I didn't like that the uh, the composer didn't come back. The score really helps keep the first three films like together. Didn't feel that with this movie. Um, the weight, like the weird new Matrix, where like you don't need a phone booth, you can just kind of go through mirrors and shit. The new characters, I fucking hated. Like none of them made any, none of them made an impact at all. No. Um, Jada Pinkett Smith, Niobe, her character was turned into a cold, heartless bitch. Yeah, I was like, why is she? She's so bitchy. Did she learn nothing from Morpheus's like faith, which was the whole point of the third movie? Like her coming to terms with the fact that Neo truly was the one. All that came away, like went away, and she just turned into like a you know it's. I got to protect these people by any means necessary, even if it means locking up the one thing who can end this war. Again, I thought the explanation of how Neo and Trinity survived was incredibly half-assed. Just the robots like rebuilt them. Yeah, it, I was like, no, they're they're humans. They age, so yeah. like, no, that wouldn't work. Because the strongest thing that can power the Matrix is fucking love. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that was imagination. Fun. God damn it. And then, like, it kind of, like, to me, shits, because the whole point of, like, the third film was, like, he sacrifices himself, Matrix, yes, gets rebuilt, but it's supposed to get rebuilt for better. And then this film just undermines all of that. Yeah. It's, I, we don't need this. It, it, it's unnecessary, and it adds nothing to the mythology. It, it's forgettable. I mean, I saw it, like, a few days ago, and I already forget most of it. Yeah, even the fucking ending with the big, you know, then they take care of the villain. It's literally them just saying, don't mess with us. We want to rebuild the Matrix the way it should be. And I'm like... That's, just that's, stay that's, out of the fucking Matrix and you'll be fine. Yeah. I'm like, that. that's it? That's, re- that, that's it? That's what we're doing? Okay. And then we get the, oh god, again, going with the constant fucking callbacks and going... The goddamn cover song. And I was like, you got to be shitting me. You want to hear, uh, speaking of shitting you, you want to hear some interesting trivia? I was like, isn't this the man that like pissed on the dude on stage? There it is. That's, yep. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Dan Cummins, for showing showing us that. Um, <laughs> I saw that without any, I just saw that was like turning all over my fucking shit. I, I had no intention of watching a woman piss on a dude's face until I watched I the whole thing inadvertently on another show I watched. No, I watched the whole thing. It was quite something to watch. That was a lot of piss. Anyway, um, yeah, he had a cup on his head. He was prepared for that. Yeah. What the fuck? I but, mean, at least it was consensual, so I can't really get like get mad at anyone. I can just be like, "That's disgusting." I no, don't ever there, piss on me. There were kids in that audience. <laughs> that was an all ages show. Yeah. Besides her pissing on someone, she also, like, the moment it got to the point of someone she had to yell, like, wake up, I'm like, you're not. 
not Zach Taylor Rocher. Like he know, he can scream that and you feel it. You just sound like a whiny fucking teenager. Fuck it off. sounded so it sounded it was a I think it was the perfect song to end this movie on. So I'm like, yeah, it's a shitty version of something we all loved. <laughs> so yeah, of course. End it on that crap. Yeah, this God, this movie and like I I was bored. I remember when like I had to pause it at one point to take care of like my dog and everything. And instead I saw it an hour and both me and Josh were like, fuck. We still have an hour. God damn it. I was like when, yelling at my dog. I'm like, dude, hurry up, eat. Come on. I gotta finish this movie. Let's go. When the Merovingian showed up as like a shaggy weird dude and then like just started yelling meta shit from off the sidelines, didn't do anything. And then said, like, I'm gonna be in the spinoff or some shit like that. Like just kill him please yeah was that the fancy dude from the second film yeah the, the guy who sends the girl the rape the, the like the, the rape cake okay yeah 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 the french guy yeah yeah because i was i was really wondering what happened to him god damn it like <laughs> i wanted to know like what happened to monica bellucci like she was one of my favorite things about the second and third movie well, I mean, yeah, she probably looks better than he does because Monica Bellucci. If you saw Spectre, you know that she does. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just like, I don't, this film, it was amazing how hard this film we lied on the prior three as if they didn't have a real story to tell in this movie. It didn't. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, they um, didn't. The whole idea of, like, some robots defected and, like, became good robots but with very little explanation beyond like we need like there was a power like a power shortage that caused a civil war like why would that make some robots align with humans wouldn't they be like trying to like destroy was it io just so they could get more people to plug into the batteries i don't know i thought one thing i had was when they went into the theater (laughs) when they send uh neo to the theater and they're literally playing matrix the Matrix, and it's the whole scene between him and Morpheus when they first met in the Matrix. I'm just like, stop reminding me of this better film. And like, what the fuck, Candyman? Like, you you had a great year with Candyman, and then you did this piece of shit. Like, god damn it. Oh, boy. Um, Trinity waking up at the end made no sense. Like she's very firmly like, I have a family stay away from me. She turns around once and she's like, I am actually Trinity. Like it was out of fucking nowhere. And then just followed up with like a bike chase of everybody. Oh, I hated the new form of agents where like people would just have like bugs in their eyes and turn into like suicide bombers. That was dumb. And I, oh my God, can we talk about his fucking power? Neo's goddamn power that was so dumb. And overuse because it's like the OP power you can think of when he just, just becomes like a bulletproof shell and you can force force push everyone. And I'm <laughs> like, how am I supposed to throw any stakes if he can just fucking force push his way out of anything? Oh boy. Um, what else we got? Um, there's not a lot to really unpack here. It's really just dull. It's um, it's, it's dull. It it drops like if if you thought like a lot of the philosophical philosophical stuff got dropped in like revolutions because they like did way too much and reloaded. Holy shit, it's just gone here. 
And I didn't realize it, but by it being gone and by the green color palette being gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This just felt like another standard, big budget Hollywood film. (laughs) At the the end of the film, when Smith shows up and starts beating the shit out of the analyst, because somehow Smith can bypass his stop everything powers. Yeah. And somehow he has a beef with him that's never like really fully fucking explained. Yeah, and then he, like, beats the shit out of him, saves Neo, and is like, our partnership is at an end. Like, what partnership? Where was that, like, established? (laughs) And that would have so much more gravitas if it was Hugo Weaving, if it was the Smith we cared about. Um, I didn't like how he constantly called him Tom. Like, Mr. Anderson has become culturally relevant. Maybe use that. (laughs) It invoked fear. Like, every time, like, I still think that's when he turned on and he yelled out, Thomas Anderson. I was like, I wish it was Hugo Reeving. Like, can you imagine Hugo Reeving having that moment? Would have been awesome. Yeah, this would be up a few points with with his involvement. Yeah, and then as soon as like, like I said, he comes in on that scene, interrupts them fighting in whatever building they were in, and you just hear Mister Anderson. Uh, instead, he's like, "Hey, Tom, I don't like you." <laughs> like, uh, and even Keanu seems so disinterested. Like I, more so I than the other Matrix movies, I get he's I supposed say, to be disjointed, but I didn't feel that. See, and I I didn't really feel him disinterested. I mean, he may have been. This may have been just like like said a favor. I thought he was just playing the character exactly like he did in the first three films. And like, let's just be honest. Like, I'm not saying he's a great actor, but I never thought his performance in any of the Matrix films were revolutionary. He always played like this, like seemingly disinterested. Like, whoa. I know Kung Fu, which, God damn it, I still know Kung Fu. Fuck off with that line. God. Hey, fair enough. But there, I just felt there was something about this performance, especially where he, he had this general vibe of like, I really don't want to be here right now. I didn't feel that from the first three movies. But this time I was like, he, he's doing this because <laughs> he kind of owes the Wachowskis his career. So I get it. But I just did not vibe that he cared. Okay, see, I, I just didn't. I just for me, it just felt like the same standard like Matrix performance we got in the first three films, which wasn't yeah. like the most outstanding performance to begin with. Like I think he puts a lot more effort when he does a John Wick movie. It's cool to see. You put, uh, put a lot more effort coming back for Bill and Ted. Yes, yes, he did. I bought that one. I believe that performance. Uh, I thought it. I. Priyanka Chopra Jonas as the little girl from the second from the third one who grew up. Interesting. Her stakes didn't really make a lot of sense, and her character just kind of showed up to be like, "This is what we're doing now." Yeah, and she disappeared. You know what bugged me? The chick. Uh, uh, I think it's Jessica Henwick. Bugs. No. Mm-hmm. She had this whole thing where she was like, "You know, yes, yeah, see this. This is what you want to revolutionize, much like the first film. Go revolutionize filmmaking." And the whole two and a half hours, I was like, if this fucking re-evolutionizes filmmaking, I'm scared. I am terrified for our future because holy shit, this is terrible. And I don't want it to revolutionize anything in film. They always like pump it up. They're always like, this movie is the greatest thing I've ever done. Like every time they're always like, this is going to change your world. And nine times out of 10, it's just another piece of Hollywood dreck. So no, I've learned the harder they pump that. Like I've learned the harder they're pumping, like how great the film is. Yeah. It usually means it's pile shit. If they're just sitting there going like, hey, we're just really excited for people to see it. You know, can't wait for you to see it. 
usually it's good because that means they're keeping a lot of shit to the vest. They don't want to spoil shit. That's exactly what Spider-Man did. They were just like, we think we did a really good job on this. We're wait, we're excited for you to see it. Two of their biggest draws did, said nothing. Like Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, knowing they were there, this movie, like, you know, any other studio would have been like plugging the shit out of that. Like, you know, Spider-Man reunited. Like they would have been plugging that. Marvel was like, let's, let's keep, let's let them have that. Let's let the fans have that moment. And yeah. that was smart. The Matrix, there's not, there's nothing left in the tank. Like we don't, there's nothing else to tell. Nobody was wondering. Neo died saving everybody. Okay. Neo, you know, the matrix was rebooted. It was a good ending. It made sense. Building on that just means that now we got more canon shit to deal with. And I don't like that. I mean, we'll probably, you know, I, I actually no. this is getting pretty decent uh, critic scores. So this won't end up on our, our new show. <laughs> no, which is surprising when I heard that I was getting decent crit- because that was what made me kind of interested. I was like, oh, okay, people are liking it. And then I saw, I was like, I'm going to send the whole movie going, what the fuck are people? I don't understand the Rakowskis. Like, people flock, actors flock to be in their movies. People flock to God. Well, I don't want to say people flock to see their movies. Critics will like praise their films. Mm, like, I don't know about that one either. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Either way, they get, they get some high talent actors involved. And every time I watch the movies, I'm like, what? What do they have on people? Because your films suck ass. And I was like, this one works. I, I texted you because I was just so like, I was like, dude, the action in this film sucks ass. Like, holy shit, this movie. I just I was almost not gonna tell you I didn't like it because I was worried you wouldn't watch it and then we wouldn't have this whole thing. <laughs> Thankfully, you did. No, I was, uh, you want to watch it? I was gonna give it a shot. Not in theaters. I watched on HBO Max, and oh my god! Even HBO Max was kind of burying it. It was kind of funny because HBO Max will have like you know they put the new release on the front, like hey, you can watch Kong versus Godzilla. You can watch uh, Mortal Kombat. You know they always put on the front page like to advertise. No, when I turned it on, they were like, "You still want to watch the holiday movies? You guys want to still watch Christmas movies?" <laughs> I had to search it. I had to look it up. They're like, "Wait, do you, you sure you want to watch this? Are you sure you won't go down this hole right now?" <laughs> I saw it at the theaters in a sold out uh, theater. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, I, had to sit, I had to sit next to a weirdo. And uh, many people walked out of there sad. I wasn't sad. I was pissed. <laughs> theater tickets are expensive. If I'm going to see a movie, I want it to be good. I want it to be worth my dime. Uh, and that's happening less and less lately. Um. Yeah, I give this a five, and that's being generous. This is three. Three. Yeah. Fuck. Oof. Um, oh, I'm sure I'll be able to defend the Matrix Revolutions on Beyond the Bad. Uh, yeah, 36%, which I thought was low, considering this one has a fucking 69%. Uh, yeah, no. which this one should not be at sixty nine percent. Um, well, fuck. I'm, I'm actually on the Wikipedia right now. Like, this is what it says: the performances and action sequences were praised. What? By who? Them? <laughs> I thought John. I thought John Wick like brought us new action, like raised the bar. But apparently, we're lowering that bar dramatically. Thanks to the Matrix Resurrections, which really just means that now all the odds are stacked in County Reeves' favor for John Wick 4, because it's not going to be a lot for him to fucking blow us up, blow us our minds on the action. 
Somebody call James Cameron. We got to raise the bar. We got to raise the bar. Apparently, it's going to take Avatar 2. Um, oh, God. I was talking about South Park. Avatar 2. Go <laughs> I know, but I'm also, I know Avatar 2 is apparently coming out. But get this. Though the writing and visuals received some criticism. I'd say that, yeah. I would also say the action should get criticism because that was some of the worst action scenes I've seen. Performances give and take. I thought some actors were actually doing pretty good in the movie, but uh, who? They were working with what they had, and by who? that I mean everyone outside of Morpheus and Agent Smith. Give me a name. Kanye Reeves, Carrie Ann no. Moss. No, Carrie Ann Moss, maybe. Ah, you know Patrick whatever. Harris was trying. I don't think his villain worked, but he was trying. Neil Patrick Harris belonged in a completely different movie. Like, no, this is not the, you know, cr- the fucking I'm, creator I'm of saying, the movie. I am saying the actors tried. I, I'm not talking like scripting and stuff. The actors tried. They just got handed some shit material. I blame them a little bit. I don't know how you can blame people that were trying to make something work. I don't think they were trying that hard. <laughs> Feel like they were trying very hard. Well, how much did this cost to make? How much? Stand by. We gotta scroll back up. Nope, that's the, that's the plot summary. 190 million somehow. Ah! Oh god. I, it hasn't even broken a hundred. So unless like people are like unless like we're on the fucking minority here and people love it, I don't see it doing too hot. Jesus Christ. Oh, boy. Well, you know what? I They did... Lana did say that she's not starting a new trilogy with this, that this is the end of The Matrix, so at least we got that. We don't have to watch more of this. about revolutions, and apparently we were wrong. Fuck. Well, all right. I'm going to hope that this means this is dead. I, but you, how many franchises lately have we had to watch get, like, dug out of their graves and watch their corpses get fucked? How much has that happened to us lately? It's way too much. Yeah, I'm tired of it. Yeah, because I know they, they spent years telling the studio no, because the studio was adamant about doing a fourth film for years, and they're like, no, we don't want to do it. We ended it with a third film. We've got to write Jupiter Ascending. Leave us alone. We got to do Speed Racer, guys. Stop it. Cloud Atlas is calling. Get off our ass. Oh, that's another I one. That I, I, I like Cloud Atlas. Oh, you fucker. Honestly, that's no one always. I fucking hated that movie. You speak the true, true. Shut up. That movie is fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> fuck that. God, I hate that fucking movie so much. Uh, Dumb fucking. Okay. Um, yeah, I. I don't get it. And like her re and look, Lana's reasoning for doing this film should have been the red flag. It wasn't to continue the story. It wasn't to be like, you know what? I have a really cool way to bring these characters back that we fell in love with. This universe that everyone fell in love with. I have a really cool... No, it was my parents' side. I want to deal with it. I'm not trying to shit on the fact that she's going through her own grief. That they're both going through their own grief. But making a film for that reason is the wrong reason. Because the only one it's serving is you. I get writing the film. But maybe that's where it stops. Yes. Because you are now making a film that only you're intending to enjoy when the point is, and you hear it all the time, and they talk about it on the movie crypt. 
when that gets released, it's no longer your phone. It belongs to the public. Like the whole world's seeing it now. So you didn't make a film for the right reasons for the world to see. I, I, again, like I said, so people can get invested in these characters, can get back into this world, like fall in love with what we fell in love with back in 99. No, you did because you were feeling grief and you thought, well, I'll make a new Matrix film to help cope with that. But okay, cool. So it's a movie meant for you and you only. How am I supposed to relate to that as an audience member? I can't, I just keep thinking about the brass against cover of Wake Up. It's it's like if you know that Elton John movie Rocket Man ended with fucking William Shatner's rendition of Rocket Man. <laughs> like, why is this here? <laughs> that would probably be more entertaining though. <laughs> why not just use the rage version? You, you did it before. It's not like you, you have a difficult time getting the rights back yeah, to that. You did, it in, you did it on your first film when you didn't even have the fucking money for it. So you tell me you can't do it now? Oh, boy. Yeah, this movie fucking sucked. So there it is. <laughs> There's not much more else to say. Uh, this is the last time I'm ever going to talk about this movie. So I can put this in the back of my mind and hopefully let it die. It might end up on a list of mine that we discussed doing. So I'll at least talk about it one more time, probably. But it's the score. But what about our process? The score is a 69. That's above. That's that's not rotten. No, no, no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about for an upcoming sneak preview episode that we literally discussed before we started. Recording. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't want to talk about that yet, my friend. <laughs> that's why I'm hinting at it, friend. <laughs> Honestly, I saw so much shit this year. I don't know if it'll make that cut. I've saw so much worse shit. This was pretty bad. This was bad. I don't know. Terrible. We'll see. Uh, Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I felt sorry. The fact that I felt jealous of Josh Josh falling asleep for an hour tells you how bad this was. Like I wanted that. Like. This has been a negative fucking episode. I mean, way to end the year. God damn. <laughs> um, maybe we should have watched the Lucy movie. Maybe that was really, really good and we could have had a better discussion. I doubt it, but let's <laughs> <laughs> uh thanks for listening, everybody. If you like what we do, uh, you can always follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can always send us a message there or email us at filmgasmagmail.com. Or, you know, comment on the website or uh, comment on YouTube. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can always click on support this podcast. Send us a couple of green uh, if you want to. If not, that's fine, too. Hope you had a good time. Um, next week will be our first sneak preview of 2022. As per tradition, we will be presenting our own top 10 lists of what we believe to be the best films of 2021. And as a little bonus, we're also going to, as Caleb hinted, present our top five worst films of 2021. We've seen enough to make pretty balanced lists for both. And uh, I'm very interested to hear what you've got. Yeah, because I feel like there's going to be some especially genre stuff that we disagree on. But I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Like I said, it's, it's funny that like last week, there's a film that's definitely going to be making it. You know, I have no issue saying the Spider-Man guys, spoiler hint on the, my list, we'll make it on my list. Um, and then this week, there's a very good chance that you know Matrix Resurrections being on my top five verse. Like it's interesting how that happens, man. Two weeks at the tail end of the year, calling it right now. 
number one best film 2021 gunpowder milkshake remember that fear street two remember that we've we've been at this for a while now (laughs) oh boy america (laughs) motion picture oh my god army of the dead Oh, uh, let's not give too much away for next week, but we are going to be recapping pretty much the whole trust, year. Did Snyder's Justice League come out this year? Yes. Okay, so that's a okay. I'm dis- I'm excluding that because my experience with the film tainted my thoughts of the film, so I don't really know how to rate that film accurately. So it won't be on the list. I'm- I'm glad you're saying that now because I was like, there's no way in hell I'm the only one on the scene that thinks this is an overindulgent piece of shit film. Like the movie, but I also really enjoyed having barbecue with my dad and watching it the whole day. It was a good day. So I can't, the movie, yeah, I, the movie could have sucked. I wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> um, so that's next week's sneak preview. Thank you for checking us out. For a whole year, 52 straight weeks of sneak preview. Uh, it's been a daunting show, and we have seen some. I looked it up. I did the numbers. I watched 124 2021 releases. Yeah, let's not do that next year. No, we're going to half that, maybe third it. Probably fourth it. Yeah, because I've been doing this thing where I only watch stuff I'm interested in, and I do stuff for me, like watch a film I wanted to see, or play video games that I've been wanting to play, or read books that I've been wanting to read. It's been pretty awesome. It's like I'm still doing stuff for the show, but I'm also still doing stuff for me in my personal time. So it's pretty awesome now. Yeah, just wait till you're hosting a show. Speaking of, we're going to be announcing. You know I'm going to go on like breaks for the show, just like the uh, another show we used to have. Just <laughs> month long breaks, but go on. Uh, we're launching a new show in January. We mentioned this on Filmgasm and Oscar Sunday. We're mentioning it here, January seventh, Friday. Beyond the Bad, a podcast that will focus on the worst films of all time. Uh, Caleb here will be hosting it. I'll be the frequent co-host for the most part with appearances by Josh and Austin periodically. Uh, We're going to be talking about just films that have been reviled and lost and thrown away and try to find out, like, does this deserve to be here? Does this deserve to be called a terrible movie? Most of the time, probably. But we're also going to find films that are critically reviled that we we enjoy and try to defend them a little bit uh our first film january 7th friday will be batman and robin very excited to launch it with that and uh if you want to hear more check out last week's filmgasm uh yeah yeah very excited for everyone to hear the first episode um i was you know talking to you before we recorded i'm already prepping work for the second episode already so i'm getting that going um, along with also Flair shows. So I am going to press start for a second episode because I'm really, um, you mentioned it, um, the hint for that episode, and I'll say it again when we record is um, you touched on it, you know, talking about films that are critically revived but that we like. This is exactly the type of film for the second episode of the show for me, I know for you. So, you know, it's going to be fun. Um, I don't remember if I mentioned it when we first talked about it last week. But um, for those who are like when I was talking about like our like how we're picking films, um, I know I said like we're kind of using Mark Mano as like the baseline, just to have some kind of baseline. Um, but obviously, I can't remember if I mentioned it. There's certain things like the Saw franchise, Friday Thirteenth, that every single film is hated by critics. So every single film is run. 
in those cases, exceptions will be made because I'm sorry, Friday Thirteenth and Star are fucking great horror franchises. Yeah, and in that case, we're going to be looking at like just what the fans hate. Yeah, so there's going to be a certain amount of our personal judgment calls on certain franchises. Some stuff we know belongs on the Filmgasm podcast. Other stuff we know belongs on Beyond the Bad. So that's going to be kind of our call. Trust our judgment. We know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, prepping for the second episode already. Um, probably around January, I'll be you know prepping for future episodes. Uh, not just like prepping what's already on the schedule, but I mean like coming up with the schedule for the next couple of months as well. I'm already kind of thinking about rounding my head on that one. Yeah. Um, well, so what we got starting. planned already is is pretty good. Good variety, hilarious potential there. Yeah, and um, as far as like Austin and Josh Barron's show, I look forward to whenever they want to co-host. I know Austin was talking about it on Oscar Sunday, and all I say this like whenever you want, buddy, hit me up, hit us up on the text. I'm on the melon to have you over on me on the bed, talk to some bad films. Yeah, you've watched the best. Now watch the rest. <laughs> That's a yeah. Uh, don't miss the Evil Dead on this Wednesday's Filmgasm. And uh, when Harry met Sally on Oscar Sunday. Uh, there it is. We hope you have a good, we hope you had a good 2021. We hope you have an even better 2022. And uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>